Avatar is the Chuck E. Cheese of movies. <laughs> yeah. It is. And that's a direct quote from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Hoopla Podcast. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of waiting a dozen, a baker's dozen years for a sequel, (laughs) and then absolutely crushing it. I'm here with my good buddies to talk about Avatar 2, The Way of Water. I'm joined, as always, by Andrew Smith. Andy Smith here, a connoisseur of many nerdy things, but especially this sci-fi avatar world we'll get into this i'm so excited that we're back since 2009 we've been waiting and who's been waiting alongside us none other than chris pio oh sorry guys i just got back from 13 years ago uh chris here ready to talk (laughs) about the sequel that uh to the movie that was really monumental at the time uh 13 years later avatar 2 comes out we're here to talk about it on the hoopla podcast and we are excited about that fact. Just because it was a baker's dozen years too long does not mean that I didn't enjoy it. And we'll talk about why going forward. And joining us for this conversation is our very special guest for the episode. Our very own military man with a heart of gold, Jake Sully. I mean, Jake Laxer, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Jake Laxer here, a lover of all things TV and movies. Well, it is good to be back on Pandora. It does seem like we were in a cryogenic cycle there for a little bit, <laughs> didn't it, fellas? But we have returned, and we are diving back on in, literally and figuratively. Ah. Ooh, I like that. And before we splash on into this wonderful movie, Chris, can you let the fine people listening to the Hoopla podcast know where they can find us on all the social media? Yup, yup, yup. Absolutely. On Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> you're looking for the Hoopla Podcast Network. That's at Hoopla Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you about your takes on Avatar 2, The Way of Water, as well as following all our other properties as well. We've got the Holocron Hoopla for your Star Wars content, anything from a galaxy far, far away, near and dear to your heart. And of course, Hobbit Hoopla, anything about the Rings of Power podcast that came out just a little while ago. And if you're looking for updates on Marvel, DC, and everything happening in the comic book universe, you can find us at Hero Hoopla cross-platform. We got hoopla's for everything. You can find all those links that Chris was talking about in the episode description and uh, stay up to date with all the, the wonderful hoopla podcast news. And Andy... If some of these lovely people wanted to get some cool merch, where could they go? Well, if you want some cool merch, come over to the Hoopla Podcast Network uh, store. You can find that at Hobbit Hoop or Holocron Hoopla. Oh, no. I said the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hoopla Podcast Network dot square dot site. Uh, you can find many different uh, pieces of merch here. We got flat bill hats for some people like Jake, or you can get cool merch. Like <laughs> I love a good flat bill hat. Uh, we have some holiday ornaments uh, as we're getting into the Christmas time. So uh, take a look at the, the merch store, uh, Hoopla Podcast Network dot square dot site. Beautiful. Go check out all our fun stuff. Uh, get yourself some fun hats and all that good stuff. And now, without any further ado, let's get back into this adventure in Pandora. We come back 12 years, something like that, after we had left off with 
Jake Sully and Natiri sending the Sky People away from their land. In that time, we get a, a quick little montage of what's happened over the 12 years with Jake and Natiri having some kids, adopting some kids, growing as a family. And then the dang Sky People come back. And this is the first thing I want to talk about is I just recently rewatched Avatar 1 for the first time. And the whole finale is like this devastating explosion of the forest where they live and all the trees get obliterated by the the humans who are just there to steal all the unobtainium of course and they blow up the whole village and then the very first scene in avatar 2 even more devastation occurs as these spaceships come down and just blow up an even larger region of the forest how do you guys feel seeing this devastation right off the bat in this movie. Jamie, I'm, I'm glad you said it that way because that's one of the first things I noticed as well. We see this vibrant, lush forest moon of Endor. I mean, forest moon of Polyphemus, <laughs> the planet here in Good clarification. Universe. We see the sky people. First of all, I wanted to comment on the sci-fi practicality of those spaceships. That was pretty neat how they... You know, they were clearly doing some sort of faster than light travel, and then they mm. decelerated with those that giant V formation. It was very cool, very menacing right off the bat. What we notice about the military, or the RDA, excuse me, it's apparently a non-governmental function. Uh, we notice that they're, they've got very sharp angles. Non-military function. It's a military function. It's non-governmental, apparently. Uh, so oh, says the official okay. James Cameron fandom wiki page. But, yeah, yeah, uh, my mistake. My <laughs> it's mistake. okay. I, I know you haven't refreshed on your James Cameron fandom wiki page. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> we, we see the military. Glad you're up to date. We see the RDA military. We're just going to use military as kind of a uh, catch-all for, for the antagonists of this film. I think that's acceptable. We see them come down sense. and immediately cause devastation. And And... This is for the purpose of the audience to say, hey, by the way, uh, we're bringing them back and that's okay because they're still the bad guys. And that's apparent right away. As soon as they land, all of this lush green forest, these vibrant waters and trees and plants that we've seen, that we've come to know from that first movie, and even in this first intro sequence, all go up in flame. So right away we have a bad guy and that sets the precedent for the entirety of the film. Devastation is the right word. Sure. Um, before I get started here, um, I want to ask a little round robin here. What format did, did everyone see uh, Avatar 2 in? Great question, Jake. I just watched this standard movie. No 3D, no IMAX, just normal ass two-dimensional movie film. What about you guys? I mean, this is, uh, this is a movie that is optimized for IMAX 3D. Yes. And I was absolutely blown away with ju not just obviously it was visually like an experience, but the I felt like with the 3D, I've never seen 3D so really? well put together. It, it was raining in scenes and I felt like I could go and touch the rain. <laughs> wow. Like I, I always thought that the 3D was kind of a gimmicky thing in many different movies. James Cameron took this to a whole nother level. Uh, and I was just, I was shocked. Wow. wow. Maybe I missed yeah. out. I, I'm not usually a fan of the big 3D experiences. Ever since I started crying when I was two years old at the Bugs Life animatronic at Disneyland, uh, or Disney World, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, that didn't go well for me. So I've been off 3D ever since then, but uh, maybe I need to give oh it another shot. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. 
Yeah, you got to try again. I mean, I don't think in this 3D they're going to throw cockroaches at you, so you're probably <laughs> safe. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that 4D? You could like smell yeah, the bugs. Stink yeah. bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Great later. feature. Great feature. Stink bugs. So, Jake, how did you? Yeah, I, I, I went and saw this in screen X format, which is a 270 degree viewing oh experience in which, Ooh. in which it's a 2D visual, but it again wraps around the audience which was a first and sort of a unique experience for me in terms of uh visual perception there in regards to that format but you know one thing that james cameron is recognized for for avatar is again pushing the the boundaries of of visual effects right and so this this movie was no exception to that i think you know avatar forever stands on that but I'm gonna just go right off the right out right out of the gate here and just say the fact that this story, not original for me, not in any way, shape, or form, felt very <laughs> redundant, um, and it brought honestly it brought the movie down for me. I you know I love the visual effects, but you know one oh, of the major no. complaints for Avatar One was you know we've seen the story before with Pocahontas. Dances with wolves, Uh, yeah. Dances with wolves, sure. But this was literally Avatar One underwater. (laughs) There was, yeah. That's it. That's what they marketed it as. Why were you surprised? (laughs) Sure, sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm even talking verbatim. We're, we're even using the same lines. One life ends, another begins. Like, really, we're jumping back to that. Um, I, I, well, you gotta. You got to reconsider the I see you line. I mean, that's very. That's just a colloquialism. I mean, that's a part. That's, that's a part a of their staple. culture. Yeah, that's a staple yeah. of their culture. Right. That's a staple of their culture. But even still, there were just different sequences all throughout the movie. When the when the whale died, we had the same dramatic, sad music as when the giant tree fell. And then I felt that almost took away from the sadness of the first film. But all in all, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no part of this movie was original. Yeah, I mean, Every I gonna... single thing was repeated and terrible. I really loved it. It looked cool. <laughs> no, yeah, I... and that's, that's honestly what it is. It was a band-aid of visual effects on top of something that was mediocre. Oh, that's wow. what it was for me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's, that's what Avatar 1 was also, right? Like... It, we don't go to this for the plot, right? Avatar is not the most incredible plot-focused movie. It's a fantastic, just visually and technologically, it's fantastic, especially in 2009. It was years ahead of its sure, time. Sure, Now it's still a beautiful technological marvel. The visuals are beautiful. And what's important about the writing is yes, the world right, building. Yes. Right. Yeah. The of world course. that we get dropped into is very well-developed and it's very interesting. Of course. The plot has always just been kind of like the last thing that but, they consider when making but, Avatar movies. Wait, but let me ask you You're this. telling me. Let me ask you this, though. <laughs> Go ahead, Chase. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think they could run on that for five I, films? I, I understand. Absolutely. I understand not having a... Reg- 100%. I, I, I understand the originality or the lack of originality for the first film. Fine. You get away with it. But then you do the same sequence for four more films... Okay, wait, it, it's not possible. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. doesn't know that the MCU exists. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. James Cameron came out and said specifically 
that this film needed to be one of the top three or four grossing films of all time to even break budget. They needed to make this film one of the top three or four grossing films of all time. Do you think that's going to happen? So you're asking me, do you think this is going to be a $2 billion film? No. I rest my case. There has been a lot of speculation (laughs) online that he really meant top five domestically in the United States. Is it going to hit that? Yes. It's going to, I think, based on word of mouth, uh, this is a spectacular film that's going to get people to re-see. And this is what James Cameron does. Like all of his track record of there, there's not the big booming first week. It's the four, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. Whether you talk about, uh, you know, uh, his, uh, what's the Titanic, Titanic, uh, Titanic. Terminator, the Abyss, Gone with the Wind, the Avatar oh, One right, did that. James That's Cameron. why it got okay. to two point two point eight billion dollars worldwide. Um, Anita Bata, I do think this is going to be a another one. big grossing film. And I think it's based not not just on, you know, the beautiful visuals, but the the world building that Jamie just mentioned. Like this is fantastical. It is kind of a word that Chris likes to use when we talk about Lord of the Rings. It's whimsical in some ways, you know, like the (laughs) you're exploring different parts of Pandora. The underwater scenes are just uh, mind mind blowing to me and. My Everyone bodily. needs to see right. this. And I, I do like yep. I get the the complaint on maybe some of the story beats are similar to to other properties and similar to the last movie. But I, I didn't find that uh, like it didn't degrade the movie at all for me. I, I just I thought this was a an experiential movie. Jake, let me ask you something. Are you familiar yeah, with a little one. film called Star Wars A New Hope? Uh, I may have seen that once or twice. Yes. Once or twice, Please maybe. Go on. Let me ask you, uh, what's the uh, final sequence of that film? If you could recall for me, please. We blow up the Death Star. We blow sure. up the Death Star. <laughs> sure. And let me ask you, Jake, um, a couple years later, there's, there's another movie that comes out called uh, Re- Return of the Jedi. Sure. And what's the uh, final sequence of, of that film, if you could, please? If I recall <laughs> correctly, the sequential film, Empire Strikes Back, had a different ending. We're gonna um, we're gonna skip that one, and we're talking about <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, but yeah, it's, sure. Second Death Star blows up. Yeah, so it's so, a so second Death Star, and then a couple decades later, uh, there's a movie that comes out called uh, the uh, uh, The Force Awakens. And oh, uh, yeah. if you could remind me, um, what is the uh, final sequence, kind of the third act of uh, of that film, Jake? Please. Yeah. Uh, well, we have something called Star Killer Base. Yep. And I don't think it, it goes very well for Starkiller Base, does no, it? No, no, no. It gets, it gets eviscerated. It gets blown up. My point sure. here being is that these are movies that we are going to the theater to see. And I think you should see this in theaters. Whether you see it in 3D or 270 Supermax, whatever, this was a movie <laughs> experience. Like Andrew said, I don't care that the movie or the story beats were were redone. We're talking about Avatar from 2009, where the main hinge point was an element called unobtainium. <laughs> James Cameron is not in this for the plot. He doesn't care if he blows up the Death Star three times in a row, because he's going to make it look pretty every time we go and see it. This movie was not about plot. They brought back the same enemy from 13 years ago, just in a different body. They don't care which, about plot. Yeah, which is something else I entirely left out, which I could have totally <laughs> added. But you can I, rip but on I was being plot. generous. We'll talk I was about being generous. Hey, hey, 
hey, we'll talk about all the things that we disliked about it, but let's bring it back to how awesome this movie was. Let's talk about some of the good things about this movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Hoopla. <laughs> I just, I apologize. I just wanted to address the You have very good moment. points, Jake. No and need to I apologize. Agree with you. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Let's talk about good stuff. But I agree, Jake. You make good points. There are cliches in this movie that cannot be ignored. But let's talk about Is there good an stuff. elephant animal so, on Pandora? <laughs> do, do we know an elephant animal? Maybe. We gotta meet <laughs> the planes. Let's talk about the Pandora <laughs> elephant in the room. No, let's jump over. I want to hear from our good friend Chris Pio. What was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie was actually the action sequences. And that can be both both passive neutral passive neutral action sequences, say that five times fast, where we're just seeing, you know, swimming, we're seeing jumping, we're seeing vibrant living of the cultures that live on Pandora. But also the battle sequences, more specifically, I would say the battle sequences, because, oh my gosh, I was truly hopping and jumping out of my seat whenever I saw, I could see it a hundred times, an arrow five feet long go directly through the front windshield of a helicopter. (laughs) Again, James Cameron is not here for the plot. He's here to show me five foot long arrows get shot out of a freaking cannon directly through the glass and to immediately strike the heart of one of the sky people. The battle sequences here. Dude, so many helicopter pilots died. Doesn't matter. Insane that they didn't reinforce the windshield. (laughs) You you would think after the first movie that every front cover would be able to prevent against an arrow attack, but no. I actually thought about that as well, like after all this time. Uh, The the action sequences here, the, the choreography, the motion capture, when we sit and think about it, a lot of it was CGI. I mean, there's no way that it wasn't. We have this fantastical world that had to be computer generated for the most part. And of course, you've got the the Navi themselves. Anyone that was blue had some sort of computer generation. But behind that was choreography. Behind that was motion capture by almost yeah. everyone in the cast. Young, old, doesn't matter. And that's the most impressive part to me sure. when we talk about those action sequences. Uh, mm. I, my my come-to-life moment when I talk about my favorite parts were the action sequences was simply when... Um, Loak meets Payakan, that Tulkun that's an outcast mm. for the very first time, and they're swimming around after, you know, they help each other. It's a mutual relationship. Mm. They're forming that trust, and he puts his hand up through the surface of the water, but the camera's yeah. flipped. It's almost like when you're on a boat right. and you put your hand in the water and you're dragging it along, but the camera was flipped. That was the moment I was like, I'm here for a visual experience. I'm not here to figure out what happens to Loak. I'm here to figure out this world and this experience. For sure. That was a beautiful scene. Yeah. And some of the, like, the CGI specifically in that scene was so good to the point that I didn't even think about the fact that it was CGI while that was happening. Right. It looked so real. These alien creatures and alien whales flying through the air, flying through the water. Yes. I was like, this is just this is just a real thing that's happening on film. It was beautiful. It, it was almost like you felt there. Like the, it was so well like put together that you almost felt like you were in this landscape. And I, I saw online there was uh, one of a, a critic had mentioned, you know, I, I would miss a plot point because I was looking yes. at fish on the other side of the screen from where the characters are, just going because there was so much detail. I, like I was, my jaw was dropped the entire time. I'm just sitting here and I'm like. Uh, 
I, it was visual overload in, in a lot of parts for me. So to that point, I will say now, now I'll reverse the script. I got, I got my, my negative sort of perspective on the film out of the way. I, I had to, <laughs> I had to just say my piece, but you know, one of my, one of my hobbies over the past year that I've really picked up recently is scuba diving. And you know, they nailed the, the reef life to a T in this yeah. film and just made it all the more entertaining. Um, we saw all sorts of aquatic marine yeah. life and um, it, you know, that's the beautiful thing about Pandora is, is they can take it to another level. Right. And we see all the different corals. We see all the different fish kind of like that were distracting that Andy was talking about. And we even see, uh, you know, the giant fish that goes to kill Loak at that one moment. And, you know, in that, in that exact scene, wow. that exact scene, I thought oh there's gosh. always a bigger fish. And then all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden he gets saved. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was uh, exciting to watch and it's thrilling. That was just the first of like nine days, ex machinas. Uh, you know, they, they wanted to motion capture what it was like to traverse through water. I think that was the most, you know, challenging thing for James Cameron was in in this film. They filmed in a pool yeah. with nine hundred thousand gallons, um, and you know, to try and capture the exact movement is unbelievably difficult. I can't even go into no. the specifics of it because I really just can't speak to it because uh, I don't know how. But yeah, dude, how do you motion capture a giant whale? That's a technological <laughs> marvel. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. But the fact that they were to, able to accomplish it truly unbelievable. I mean, the majority of the cast learned free diving, mm. and this is sourced on just Wikipedia here. It's got sources behind it, but apparently Kate Winslet once held her breath for over seven minutes filming one of those scenes. It's unreal. I mean, I mean when you have the majority of the cast buying into James Cameron's crazy ideas, Jake, you mentioned the 900,000 gallon pool. This is, they're clearly dedicated to the craft, and they believe in the idea of Pandora. Well, and, and one, one, one thing around, uh, you know, James Cameron mentioned, they didn't initially film this back into, like, after 2009 because they needed better technology for these water sequences. And I, initially, right. you're like, D is that really true? Like, how many water sequences are there? Is this going to be like, you know, Aquaman, where really they just go into a building and there's no more, you know, they're not swimming around anymore? This was... These were mm -hmm. long, protracted scenes. Um, thirty percent of this movie was underwater, um, and the right. It was just incredible feat, I think, to to uh, to pull off here. And that's a, a, a weirdly exaggerated number, Andrew. That thirty percent, because we don't even see water for like the yeah, first fifty minutes of the film. I remember I was in the theater. I was like, "Hey, hey, water!" It was that it was that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio. Hey. <laughs> pointing at the tv once upon a time yeah i do think once it got to you know act two really when they got to the the islands that's where this movie really hit off for me like just uh, a little bit it was super i know like there's we keep talking about like maybe other story beats like similar storylines but the uniqueness of this island world off of kind of I, I liked how they took it in a different area like we didn't have to see the same, you know, where the spirit tree was. They expanded out mm -hmm. Pandora 
um, to kind of a different, uh, you know, with this different race of, of Navi and uh, just it's an interesting way that they, they took the storyline. Um, and now I'm thinking, well, is there another area of Pandora we're going to go to next movie? Um, <laughs> to the mines of Moria, the fire nation, yeah. the, the ways of sand, <laughs> the air. Is nation. there lava Navi too? Like, are we? There's some volcanoes Lobby. somewhere. Lava. One of my favorite things about the water filming was I felt the need to explore in Pandora. No more did I feel that when they were first the the forest when Jake Sully family first leaves the forest and first gets to the water clan. It's a moment where the kids are trying to teach the forest kids, Jake Sully's kids, how to swim. Yep. And they're good at it. They're diving deep. They're using their webbed hands. They're, they're, they're very good at swimming. They have to be to survive. And they're trying to teach the kids, but the kids can't hold their breath. They, don't, they haven't found their center. They can't hold their breath. They keep having to go back to the surface. And it was me in my seat in the theater saying, go back underneath. I need to see what's <laughs> under there. And I think that was a purposeful editorial shot. Because two or three times they go back to the surface. They could have just, you know, flash forward. And eventually they do, they montage. They montage and the kids get better. You know, Jake gets better. Natiri gets better. But when the kids first were trying to, trying to dive down and kept surfacing and the other kids are making fun of them, I was like, figure it I out. Gotta get I got to see there. what's underwater. This is too cool. It was so cool how they did it where they there. hit you with all the senses at once when you were above water and then underwater. Like... The music would change, yes. the audio would change the instant you drop below the surface of the water. So now you get this whole visual display of the underwater beauty and the change in the audio quality. It really did feel like you were underwater. Whenever the main characters were underwater, it mm -hmm. felt like you were there with them. And I was just going to say, it was cool, like Chris was alluding to, just seeing that journey of the Omatakaya just begin to develop an ability to traverse underwater. Like walking alongside them, swimming alongside them to, at, in their journey of becoming more like, right. more like the uh, Metakaina. It was just, it was, it was cool to be able to walk sort of in their shoes. Yeah, it was really cool. And the one character who took to this new water lifestyle better than any of the others was Kiri, who I think was probably my favorite character mm -hmm. from this movie. Um, the mm -hmm. mysterious yeah. daughter of Dr. Grace whatever Augustine August Dr. Grace Augustine um <laughs> who has since been adopted by Jake Sully and Natiri and she takes to water better than any of these other forest walkers and she it seems like she can just hold her breath infinitely maybe I don't think I ever saw her once come up for air yeah I don't think they explained that very well I also didn't don't get how attaching that butterfly looking thing to your back gives you air but I guess when you're talking Why about not? connecting to the spirit tree with braids, then you can kind of just play with it at all. That's fair. Yeah, I, <laughs> I fair. agree. Kiri was an excellent character. I think Kiri's also coming back. I think if there's going to be a through point besides yeah. the main theme of environmental destruction and, and you know, overarching resources. Uh, by the way, was the Earth dying in the first film? No. Or was Pandora just like a new That's venture? A new one, yeah. yeah, I think they threw that in. Which is fine. I don't care about that. But I think Kiri's coming back as kind of the main focus of, you know, Ewa, Pandora, the spirituality of everything, while the, the RDA and the military type of complexes are still going to try and be that antagonist. 
Um, not to mention that the main villain somehow lives, but we'll get to that <laughs> and my my <laughs> transgressions with that choice. Right. But Kiri is an excellent character. I think all of Jake Sully's kids have very focused plot devices, I guess you could say. They're, they're all three there for a reason. And with that time jump that we did from the first movie to the second, James Cameron and co. could just kind of fill in what characters they needed for the progression of the story, or stories, as we know Avatar has a couple sequels coming. This is true. And I do have to jump in here with a theory a third-party oh, theory, a theory too. potentially oh, wow. for the first time in the Hoopla oh. podcast history. But I got to shout this out my friend Paige. I went and saw the movie with her last night. And as we were you know, getting to know Kiri, this mysterious Navi kid who was born of Grace's avatar, Paige's theory is that Kiri was uh, created by Awa. As they were in the first Avatar movie trying to um, save Grace's human body by transferring her soul into the Avatar body, that process failed, Grace died, but maybe Kiri was created through that process rather than transferring the soul, creating a new soul within that Avatar body. How's that for a theory music? Shout out to Paige, because is... I was going to ask that question next, which is, was that nice. Immaculate Conception? Oh! Is, <laughs> like, wow. I, it, I, that's what they're alluding to. Awaculate Conception. Uh, that's what they're alluding to. The Awa, like, you're right, Chris, like, Kiri is going to be that through point. I have a theory kind of going off of that as well, which is Pandora is alive. Ooh, Pandora yes. is Awa, and yes. going forward, like through the storyline, you know we're gonna see the full all of Pandora fight against kind of the Sky People as they come and try and destroy, you know, Pandora as they destroyed Earth. Um, sure, that's a gr- I like. And that we a saw lot, that yeah. at the end of Avatar One, right? We saw it at the end of Avatar One, where Awa answered, like their prayers and their calls right when the, we see i'm gonna butcher mm-hmm. i'm gonna butcher like the names of the the animals if i even try so i'm not even gonna bother but you see all the banshees <laughs> fly in then you see like the, <laughs> the rhinoceros hammerhead looking things <laughs> trample the through displacer the forest displacer i i i'm i'm totally on the same page with you what i will say adding to um page's theory though we see Kiri's connection to the coral in that one scene as she's protecting uh, Took from the crab machine. <laughs> I, I don't know what to call it. The diving machine. Uh, her connections to Awa are significantly more powerful than most other Navi. Yeah. Um, for yeah, her yeah. able to control an entire other plant. That, I mean, it's, it's one thing com- controlling a species, but we haven't really seen like controlling a like an entire plant (laughs) i know it sounds kind (laughs) of diminished when i put it that way but well coral is an animal uh, okay so you know shout out to marine biologists out there corals are animals yeah okay but jake just one quick thing on that that scene wasn't that terrifying if you were the human that was in (laughs) the little in the submarine then it blows up and you're getting out you're you're you think you survive and then the 
the plant forms around you and pulls him to his death. That was actually pretty dark. (laughs) Yeah, it was dope. It's incredibly dark. Yeah. I also loved it. I was like clapping during that. Yeah. Kiri, (laughs) for me, is definitely the standout character from this movie. She was the best. And I got to say, for the first like half of the movie, I didn't know who the actress was who was playing Kiri. And I was like, man, whoever this presumably teenage girl is who's playing Kiri is doing a fantastic (laughs) Sigourney Weaver impression. I got to figure out who this is because she's a great actress. And then halfway through the movie, I was like, you know what? This might just actually be Sigourney Weaver. And it was. I think that's Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Which was really cool that they were able you were right. to do that. Like they, We've seen de-aging in movies before. And now we got like de-aging plus mocap plus alienatizing of the actress. Uh, and it worked out great. But also yeah. a very a distinct character like Sigourney Weaver. It's cool to see an actress be able to be one character in, in, a, in a series of films. And then she's a completely separate character. Like... Kiri, you can you're like, oh, yeah, Grace is definitely her mother. But this is a completely yeah. different character. That's uh, just uh, so full of life. Uh, I, I yes. think that's a good way to explain her. Like just wonder. She has wonder. Like you can see it on her face. Um, you can see it character. in her eyes. You can see it in her <laughs> smile. I, I have a question about Kiri's character as well, though. Um, they kept showing the eclipse. And then Kiri was able to use her powers. Did you? What was the eclipse mm. symbolizing? Like they they show that eclipse multiple times throughout throughout the film. They did, but I I wasn't connecting. Like what was that symbolizing? They mentioned that scene when they were swimming around like the the underwater tree of life that that was at when it was most beautiful or most powerful. I I can't. Or one, I think one they, the same. I don't really. They remember. may have just said this is the best time to see the tree of life, because we do see yeah. like whenever the eclipse happens and it gets dark, well, we see like the bioluminescence really starts to show and the beauty yeah. of Pandora. Correct. But I'll I'll counter that, Jamie, and say I believe the phrasing of that was, "This is the best time to be here," not "Oh, it looks beautiful when lit up at right. night." Right. That's what it was. Oh, look at all the bioluminescence. You know what? I'm actually crafting a, a bit of my own theory here in that the eclipse may be, you know, when when you're most powerfully connected to, to AWOG, AWOG yeah. p- powerfully connected to the planet. Uh, eclipses are obviously, you know, in, in real life have been used as signal markers for any sort of spiritual connections or anything like that. We see that across many cultures just because it is such a rare thing as well as a powerful, you know, big sky thing. I I I'm running with that, Andrew. I think the eclipse may have been more. Originally, I thought it was more thematic mm-hmm. because we do see the eclipse along the uh, at the same time running along the scene of spoiler alert the death of Jake Sully's first son, Nateam. Uh, we see the eclipse. <laughs> Thank God during we got that. a spoiler alert. And, well, halfway through the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was just put it out there just in case. You gotta give eulogy music. That was an emotional scene, and I think as the most emotional scene in the movie, it it evoked enough of that emotion to get through and continue the plot on. I did think that was a little brief, uh, but it had to be. I mean, they were in the middle of a battle, so there's no way that they could just spend more time, uh, you know, taking care of or or burying or or paying respects. And they eventually do that in the finale of the film. But right. the point of this is. 
the eclipse plays during that scene, and I don't think it has anything to do with Kiri's powers. Now, one thing I did think when the eclipse was happening was that Kiri was somehow going to save mm. Natam. I thought the eclipse lining up with her use of powers was going to be impactful during that death scene, but turns out that they just killed him off, and, and I think that was an okay decision. But you might have something but, with the eclipse. But the here. eclipse isn't too far off from the very end of the conclusion of the film, right? Where she branches all those like Awa squids to go and traverse mm-hmm. and find everyone. That's true. Right? Yeah, that does happen during the eclipse, or I, I guess Pandora nighttime. Right. Yeah, that was a beautiful scene too, too when off. she sent all those glowing little underwater squid butterfly things to go save. Yes. Her and she saved her entire family. In that one moment. Her entire family. Yeah. yeah. Right. But again, nah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I know, the, more we, the more we talk about it, the more I think that Kiri is going to be, is the offspring of Awa, and she is going to save Awa, who is Pandora. And that's what the whole arc of this series is going to be about. Here's my question. I, I like that. We have yeah. three more Avatar films after this. When does Jake Sully die? That is a great question. I, I thought, thought it was, was this, this film. One. I thought it was this film. I, I thought wanted it was it. this film. I, I like I like Sam Worthington. He does a great job playing playing the role, but I think Excellent in order job. for Avatar to sort of stand on its own feet, I think he needs to, you know, move on. I I thought that because one of my notes here, Jake, is that we are seeing Avatar 2 and this new Pandora world, even though some of it's the same, we're seeing it through the kids' experiences. Yeah, right. And when we saw Avatar 1, we both literally and metaphysically saw it through Jake Sully's experiences right. as he was the Avatar, the whole program was being launched. We were introduced to it in that way. Right. But now we were introduced to a, to the kids. And, and, and then once we learn who the kids are, what their roles are going to be in the films, you know, we've got big bro who's supposed to protect little bro who's always getting in trouble. And, right. And, and tiny, uh, the girls are, are just... Tiny uh, Tuck. Kiri has her own role. Yeah, Tiny Took. <laughs> Kiri has her own role. I think you can kind of you know, group that out of it. But we see it through the kids' experiences, and I thought that was going to lead to Jake Sully's death. Them right. Saving them in some way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sacrificing I, himself. I thought the same thing. But also, on the other hand, Jake Sully's character was streets ahead of his character in movie number one, where he was actually an interesting character this yes. time. Yes. I... Didn't really find him that interesting yeah, in the first movie. I agree with that. The first movie was all about Natiri, who was an awesome, awesome character in the first movie. And then she wasn't even really in this movie, which is like one of my biggest yeah, uh, gripes with the movie. One of the things I, yeah. I didn't like about this movie was that Free Zoe Saldana didn't have Natiri in the whole movie. Was it because James Cameron got jealous that Zoe Zeldana played a different colorful alien in a different franchise? I don't know. But she was such a good character in the first movie, and then she didn't exist in this movie, and it really bummed me out. If we go down this road, we're going to get into my gripes. Let's do it. Let's, let's do some quick gripes. Are we ready? Because, let's dive. Are we ready what, what, do you got? what do you got for us, Krimpy? There is absolutely, without question unequivocally no reason for commander Quaritch to be alive right now i'm gonna just clap I, for you i'm just clap. it is by far my biggest gripe with the film why can you not just have the hero kill the villain you've got every other trope in this movie that we've ever seen in any story told on a hollywood silver screen in the entire existence of film history every trope every cliche is here 
Why did the villain have to live? It did not make any sense. He was literally knocked unconscious underwater, strangled by a powerful avatar uh, uh, body. I mean, <laughs> well, no, it's not an avatar. It's a obviously Jake is, is now fully transitioned into being one of the Navi, but they're, they're generally stronger, taller, quicker, faster. We know this. Why in the world did he survive underwater when much of the movie was about the threat of drowning and not being able to? Why did they even bring him back after the first movie? Yes. So this is my number one thing I I like the least about this movie is that Colonel Quarch, Quaritch, whatever his name is, is, I mean, he's up there with the worst antagonists in any media I've ever seen. He's barely even a one dimensional character. He, he might not even be a character. Yeah. The whole antagonism of this movie was just the fact that this dude wanted to kill Jake Sully. Like there was... Right. Yes. There was a little bit more of like the RDA versus the Navi as a whole at the very beginning. But then their issue was resolved when Jake Sully left. And then it was just Colonel Quaritch wanting to kill Jake Sully because he wanted to kill Jake Sully. And so he tried to kill Jake yep. Sully because he wanted to kill Jake Sully. And that is a horrible way to set up an antagonist in a movie. Yep. I could not agree more. My, my concern with this decision is the fact that he can survive eternally now. Like, they have his DNA, the military has his DNA, or the RDA has his DNA, and he can just be recreated. Like, they can keep playing that. And I... I just think that's such an easy yeah. cop out. Um, I hope they don't go down that route. I hope he dies and then we move on to someone else. Like I actually really liked being being introduced to the new general, uh, General Ardmore, played by Eddie Falco. Yeah. I thought she was great. She she had a new sort of yeah a new perspective in terms of trying to rebuild Earth. Take it in that direction. Yeah, you know that would have been so like, much more interesting. You know, I I don't know. Quaritch is back. For him returning as an avatar, I thought it was kind of cool to see him go through the trials and like him try and figure yes. that out. But like, it could have been earned elsewhere. Th- these things could have been appreciated in a different through a different character or through a different medium. I don't know. I couldn't agree more. When he was reintroduced and they kind of explained the whole DNA transfer thing, I was fine with that. We're in a sci-fi world. We need an antagonist. Every character is back. And that's okay. It was even more cool and more earned and appreciated when they went back to the final battle scene of the first film, that old storage tent or whatever the place was called. When I lost the beat was when he literally picked up his own skull and crushed it in his hand. (laughs) To me or not to me. (laughs) I, I was on board with him being the antagonist for the first uh, first uh, uh, third of the movie, that first act. And then when he crushed his skull and it kind of launched into the middle part of the film, I was like, this is the lamest character I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and, and it's a bummer, too, because I really liked his character in the first film. Like, Oh, yeah. Stephen Lang is, is, a, is yeah, fantastic at what he does. Great. He's... He's the oorah military. I wrote down some exact quotes that happened in the first act of the film. We're not in Kansas anymore, was literally said by one of the military people. We heard which the is Semper what he said Fi, in the which first obviously, 
Right, ex- exactly. Again, we heard Semper Fi, which is obviously a very yeah. real thing in the real world. It has yeah. a lot of meaning behind it. But when you hear it in the movies, you're like, okay, well, uh, they're military again. And then the final, the nail in the coffin for me was the meeting scene where they're all, all the uh, the reanimated Avatar military members are kind of going over the mission briefing. And the first line we hear is, gentlemen, you may be asking, why so blue? And I'm like, oh my God, this is so lame. The military, <laughs> the RDA was so lame. And I think that was on purpose. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that the RDA is still around though. So hopefully we can get some better RDA action going on yeah. in the next movie. Maybe dive into like... They did a lot to push that with Bridgehead City. This is again, though, tying back to what I was trying to mention earlier. Like, I feel like at a certain point, the CGI can only take Pandora so far. And this is my concern because I, I love Avatar. I, I really do love like this world that James Cameron has developed and is just state-of-the-art tech in terms of uh, you know, cinematics. But at some point, you need a stable plot line. And I, I, I am just concerned. Yeah, I think you're absolutely, it's fair to be concerned. Yeah, so I mean, there are obviously some negatives to this movie, and Quarch isn't the most interesting character, but something I just thought about as we were going through this podcast right here is there's parallels between Quarch being, you know, having his DNA and memories input into an avatar and Kiri being born of an avatar body. They were born in the same sort of way of a human body or human mind being transferred sort of maybe we don't know how Kiri works exactly into a navi body and i'm interested to see if they explore those parallels moving forward with how kiri and quaritch view their new lives as navi that could be an interesting thing but it would require them to write an interesting story so we'll see what happens in the third fourth and fifth movies how (laughs) how terrible would it be if Quaritch was Kiri's dad, okay. We're, like, we're, like, what if, what if, what if, oh, what if James Cameron was just like, theory. what if James Cameron was just like, the plot is already so bad, let's just really take it to the core of Pandora. <laughs> that would suck. Uh, but there were a lot of fantastic things about this movie. Don't I, get us wrong; we all four of us no, really it, it enjoyed was, watching it this was, movie. Yes. And even despite my rant earlier, I do t- intend to go pay for it to go see it in IMAX 3D in two weeks. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to see it. I got to get the full experience that Andrew had of IMAX 3D. It sounds incredible. What What were some other fantastic parts of this movie? Chris, do you have something that stood out to you as being awesome? Yeah, it- the the world that we lived in here was incredibly well explored and fully realized. I, I think as 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 minor as plot was as far as the entire movie goes and, and how little the characters may have mattered in terms of changing that plot, they were more just kind of along for the ride as far as characters go. The world itself, Pandora itself, was very much alive, very well realized, and I think that that's most evident when we talk about High Camp. The first mm. base that the the forest people, the Navi clan, have uh, when they're trying to stay away from the sky people, they've they fly all the way up into those floating rocks. Those are iconic. We know those from the first movie. It's a very cool environment. But now the fact that they're actually using it as a base camp instead of just mm-hmm. staying on the ground or instead of of just hiding in the trees, that shows to me that these are an advanced people. And 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 there's 
nothing was nothing about the trailers, nothing about the first movie ever said that they weren't an advanced people, but they know how to fight. They know how to survive against the sky people. And I think it was so cool to see them fly into one of those rocks where they could hide. And and the RDA, you know, the islands for the, the water clan, I mean, they were trying to find Jake Sully on hundreds of possible islands across 50, 60, 70 different tribes of the water clan. So I think we have a bigger scope than we did in Avatar 1, and, and that is obvious, but they didn't just say, oh, we have a bigger mm-hmm. world now. They actually mm-hmm. showed us, and that was important. They showed us high camp in those those floating mountains. They showed us a couple of the different clans during those interrogation scenes, which were just brutal. Again, the, the military here were just lame scapegoats for we are bad, we kill everything, fire, 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 destruction. They were so <laughs> lame, but they were used to explore Pandora. And, and for that reason, I think the military was just there. The RDA was just there to show us that this world is very real, very alive, and the people within it care for it deeply. Well, you know what they say about the RDA? Really dumb antagonists. <laughs> 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 I like that. That's good. Uh, what about you, Andy? Was there, there something else that stood out to you as being fantastic about this movie? Uh, what I uh, one part that I didn't think I would enjoy when they first introduced it was when really uh, Loak meets Tulkun, and they have kind of this, uh, you know, the connection with the whale. Um, but they really like Pyakon is not Tulkun. Oh, Pyakon's the name. To, well, Tukun is the, is the whale race the, uh, species. Payakam was the right. rogue outcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was an important character yeah, in themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I, initially, I didn't think I'd enjoy it too much, but I felt like the the relationship between Loak and Payakam was actually really compelling over the the act, the second and third act. Um, and then, really, what I enjoyed is all of the commercial fishing, <laughs> that whole situation yeah. where they're. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that was super interesting yep. and unique, um, and like the their the way that they're they're fishing these these whales or hunting these whales, which was heartbreaking when the the mother whale dies, right? Um, and then you see kind of why yeah. they're actually going out and trying to get, uh, you know, the the anti aging uh, chemical from the brain. Um, of the whales you you realize why they're doing that but i thought the actual sequences themselves were really interesting and a little bit unique in kind of the rest of the story that wasn't as unique as jake has mentioned um i think that was something i enjoyed a lot yeah i I thought that was really cool too and i think it kind of sets the stage for what could be some interesting conflict between the humans the sky people who have shown up to pandora and how they just don't understand how Pandora works. Like they see these Tolkun as, or Tolkan, whatever it is, as just commodities to steal some brain juice out of the whale and sell it for $80 million mm-hmm. a vial. But from the perspective of the people of Pandora and these water tribes who have known these Tolkan, they're not just whales. They are. A civilization They're, in themselves. These they mentioned yeah. that it's like brothers and sisters. They talk community. Yeah, they look to yeah. be animals, but they are people, mm-hmm. just like all the Navi. They they are equally as intelligent, maybe more intelligent. And um I thought that was one of the really cool things about the world building of Pandora was how 
everything is connected and how we do have these deep connections amongst mm -hmm. all the mm -hmm. beings of Pandora. And that's something that the, the sky people just don't understand. And so when they arrive onto this moon and they just start destroying things, treating it like they would treat Earth, not understanding how deep of a connection everything has in this world. And kind of coming out of the movie itself, I really felt like I wanted to help the environment, right? Like you really like it, it is one of the like it, it was very that was the compelling part, right? It's he's James Cameron's clearly like talking about like making a um, you know, symbolism over to like little warming type stuff, but like you you want to help all the 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 whales. You want you want to do well uh by the environment. Um and I think he succeeded well from that part of the storyline. You definitely just hit something which I was going to mention is, you know, in the first film, it's the the horrors of deforestation. In this film, it's the horrors of whaling and trashing the oceans. Mm -hmm. You know, James Cameron is definitely utilizing Pandora as a, as a platform, as a metaphor to, you know, yeah, absolutely for environmentalism. Well um, and so I'm interested to see what our next environment is, because he's definitely going to contribute or continue with that theme throughout the remainder of the films but for me in terms of things that i really enjoyed i mean beyond just the fact that it's a visual spectacle and you know the it doesn't get better in terms of in terms of viewership in terms of cgi than pandora but sure. i loved seeing the counterinsurgency scenes at the very beginning of the film mm, i wish we saw more very, of yeah, those cool. um those were awesome to see them coordinated and amongst the Navi utilizing the, the human technology. Um, cause we didn't really get to see too much of that. Maybe, you know, we saw Jake Sully with a, a gun at the end of avatar one. And we saw, um, uh, what's his lab partner's name? Um, Norm Spellman. Norm. Yeah. We see Norm, you know, with, uh, with a weapon as well, but outside of that, yeah. we hadn't seen many other, you know, Navi utilizing the technology, but Jake, you mentioned the, the insurgency scene and how there, you wish there was more. I gotta be honest, I agree with you. I wish there was more because I think the train insurgency scene was just to fit another cliche in where the young son was supposed to be a spotter, was supposed to be watching out right. for danger. And of course he's like, oh, I'm a big bad, I can do it. And he goes in and of course he gets hurt. Like, right. It, it, you're right, the insurgency scenes would have felt much more natural if there had been more of them, but instead it was just used to drive home the point that Loak is a dumbass <laughs> right <laughs> and he right. was the entire film right I, there's literally a point where they're where he's with the the one of a couple of the kids of the of the fish tribe i shouldn't say fish tribe we should actually learn the name a, a point where he's with the uh a couple members of the metkayina reef people and he, one of the kids on the metkayina side is like let's go out beyond the reef and fish and he's like loax goes i'm not supposed to and then the, the other kid is like, but you should. And he's like, Loak goes, I bet, let's do it. And then they just go. He, yeah. The entire movie, yeah. he was just making dumb, poor decisions. So if they had added more natural insurgency against the Sky people, that would have been nice. But uh, sorry, I had to get that <laughs> off my chest. The fact that just, every kid in this movie was just doing the stupidest thing. I, I, Literally at the end of the film, in the finale, <laughs> Tuke goes, oh man, I'm tied up again. I burst out laughing. I burst out laughing in the theater because they were they they realized it they made fun of themselves and they yeah, realized and every it. single time like jake yeah. sully would get a call on his little 
calm device on his neck from one of his kids yeah. and he'd look to Natiri and he'd look to the like chief uh you know the, the two people in charge of the water tribe and be like uh yeah yeah all of our kids are in trouble we gotta go i think that happened like three times <laughs> like, oh no there's trouble <laughs> who's Breaking in trouble news. kids in Every trouble kid. again <laughs> <laughs> In regards to the other thing that I did like, though, um, Natayam and circling back to, you know, his death at the end of the movie, one of the themes that this was definitely trying to hit was the sense of family yeah. um, and the importance of family. Solly stick together. Nobody right. goes off trail. Solly stick together. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody walks alone. <laughs> yeah. But I, I could have told you from the beginning, though. I felt like Loak was going to do something stupid that was going to cause someone else in his family to be in jeopardy, and lo and behold, it's 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 the golden child, their first child, that ends up passing. Um, yeah, and that that I mean that was a bummer for me because I actually did really like Natayam. I thought I thought Jamie Flatter did a great job portraying that character, and I felt like he could have been you know the leader going forward. But in terms of all of the kids. Loak is definitely most similar to to Jake Sully's character in in the fact that he's not in in regards to his stupidity, but in his his sort of bold take and aspirations mm-hmm. and willing to be fearless in the world. Yeah. And so, if we're going to see uh you know Jake Sully pass in the next movie or so, we need this now mature Loak to sort of step into those shoes because yeah, I don't think Natayam I, I don't think Natayam was adventurous enough or eager enough or, or or crazy enough fearless enough to to do what what jake has done in the past but loak definitely is so jake i would when you say that is as we come to a kind of a close here and, and get into our closing remarks we know there's going to be more avatar films what are you guys most looking forward to in the next films as as we wind down here we'll well, I'm excited to see where we go with Spider from here. I, I, I did think it was kind of unnatural sure. for Spider to come back to the Sully family after being sliced in the neck by Natiri. I thought that was kind of weird, but I guess he has yeah. no one else to go to. But the dynamic between um, Quaritch and Spider is just going to grow stronger. Um, but where does that go? You know, that'll be kind of interesting, sort of fun to see play out. I think what I'm most excited for in, in Avatar 3 is really what they only touched on at the beginning. We we briefly mentioned it. What is this city that has been created? Bridgehead um, City. And they one one cool like sci-fi. Uh, just one quick comment on like the the spiders that are build the spider droids that are building uh, yeah. building the city out. Those were cool. That was a very cool uh, like kind of moment. Uh, what do they say? You build, they can build six different buildings per day. So this is just going right, to grow yeah. and grow. And it's going to. And I think now that Jake Sully and the family is a part of the water tribe, do they just go? Is there full out war with that city? Like, how does that how, how does that work? Um, I'm interested to see if they Absolutely. do the, the, the commander, if the commander is maybe the new the the new main antagonist or do they go back to Korich, uh who fights off Jake Sully again in the city um and then another piece is i i want to see other landscapes they've kind of set up this you avatar 1 the forest avatar 2 way of water are there other lands in pandora and like what can we experience 
uh, and James Cameron's going to do something, you know, he he each movie he's going to increase the the technology the and new the visuals and yep. like what is next from that perspective. I I said it in jest, but lava navi like there could be you yeah, know those types that'd of be awesome. maybe deserts. I like who knows. Yeah. That would be awesome. Go underground. Or tundra, or... You know, maybe sure. uh maybe Pandora Whoa, is that would a be hollow moon. Maybe we got some some hollow earth theory going on in Pandora. We got journey to the center of the moon with all sorts of crazy <laughs> uh, new creatures inside. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably what I'm excited about for too is just to see more of Pandora. The next right? clan. Figure out what else is out there. We yeah. these two groups of Navi that we've met so far have really interesting cultures and relationships to the world that they live in and that's been my favorite part about these movies is just seeing this new world get brought to life both the beautiful visuals of it and the interesting world building of it so i'm just excited to see how they continue to expand it especially with kiri who is now yeah. becoming one with awa yeah. totally agree with you all things that i'm looking forward to is all that you said but andrew i want to harp on your point the most we talk about the bridgehead city you know they mention uh, i think commander uh, admore says we we've done more in the past mm-hmm. year than we did in the previous mm-hmm. 30 right. on pandora so I, I think you are going to see an increased human population on pandora but more to that i think to expand on it is the fact that they just kind of mentioned earth yeah. is dying right yeah. and i asked you guys at the top of the pod i don't remember that being a plot point from avatar 1 and I don't think it was, as, as you guys confirmed for me. So James Cameron, in, in the effort to create more plot out of what seems like thin air, <laughs> has, has kind of told us that the Earth is dying, and this new substance, the Amrita, the, the reason that they're actually doing the whaling, it's more than just a metaphor for real-life whaling and environmental conflicts. It's, it's, it's actually a substance that they say is worth about uh, 80 million a vial, or at least that's what the scientists, mm-hmm. the hunters say. But it stops human aging. Mm. I need to know what that means. I mean, I understand the concept of human aging. Of course, time marches only forward. But what does that mean? Does it stop the body from aging? Does it stop your cellular uh, remanifestation? What, what does that do? Why did they decide to introduce that in this movie and then not talk about it? I need to know more about human civilization, why it's going away, and why Amrita is going to help if Earth is dying. Those two concepts don't necessarily align. Just because you can extend the human life doesn't necessarily mean that Earth is not dying. So they, they introduced two very broad concepts and did not explain either of them. That's what I'm looking forward to. I need explanations. It's not so much yeah, a looking a forward to point. as much as me <laughs> demanding an explanation. Yeah. But. James Cameron, tell me what's up. We're just going to have an entire Earth populated with infinitely old people <laughs> on a planet that is just dead <laughs> but hey yeah, you're not exactly. gonna get any older <laughs> so lots yeah, i do think that sets but... the stage for some very interesting human civilization world building that we can get on pandora um as they start to bring more humans to this moon and if they don't age then that makes them even more of a problem for old awa true so I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Let's go around and get some quick final thoughts on this movie. And since this is a Hollywood hoopla, we got to add in a little 
little sprinkle of newness to it. In addition to final thoughts and your quick little rating on a scale of one to $80 million <laughs> per vial. <laughs> I also want to like know, that. are you guys going to go see this movie in theaters again? Ooh, oh, I like let's that. Let's start with our good friend, Jake Sully. Yeah, um, I see you. And uh, what I'm going to say I is, is I am going to see this movie again uh, in IMAX 3D because it should be uh, viewed in that format. Um, if you say otherwise, you are incorrect. But uh, <laughs> Hot take. That's, it's, that's just take. a fact. <laughs> in terms of this movie, I'm going to give it a 60 million out of an 80 million. That's three quarters of a vial. Um, and <laughs> 75 that is and, yeah uh, indeed um, and I will say this the visuals will forever carry Avatar um, for me in the first film I I was less concerned about the plot line because it was a new world an entirely new experience for me um, but now I feel like that there is at least somewhat of an expectation um, and that being said, the the plot line held held the movie rating back for me. Not to not to say that I didn't enjoy it because it was three hours of just nonstop entertainment. It was a bunch of fun, but um, and that's why I'm going to go see it again. But that being said, um, that's that's sort of where I'm at. I I do love the world of Pandora, though. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Uh, what about you, Andrew Smith? I I think I like the movie the most out of the four of us here. I'm I'm gonna get jump right into the the rating real quick. I'm gonna give it a 72 million out of 80 Ew. million here. Ooh. I hoopla. I wow. love this science fiction world that's been created. It's something that I think we've been missing. Like initially when it came out in 2009, we really thought that this was gonna be the next big franchise, and it's been 13 years. Uh, and I was wondering, like, is it going to fall flat? And it didn't for me. Like, we jumped right in the very first opening scene. It showed us the most, you know, the beautiful landscapes uh, that we originally saw in the first movie. And then they introduced this incredible new area of Pandora, this water world um, that I enjoyed seeing through the kids' eyes. And I thought it was a compelling, I really was compelling to see their experience uh, learning how to swim and seeing their environment and connecting with the the new tribe and then the action sequences were just they were long and they were very well choreographed and i my my my, my jaw was dropped i've said that multiple times throughout throughout this movie and at the very end of the movie the when the credits started to roll that was the best planet earth like ending i've ever seen yeah like, I, I i was sitting in my oh, seat yeah. and my, so cool. like, i just didn't know how to interact it was an ex experiential event that's what this movie was you, yes you know even if you didn't like quaritch it was just fun to watch and it's it's cool world that i'm excited to explore more and heck i might go down to disney world and and go to pandora world so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go see it in the theaters one more time, I think, too. Pandora in, in Animal Kingdom in is Animal one Kingdom, of the yeah. coolest amusement parks, if you haven't been to, sure. by the way. Well, they let Ooh, us shout swim. Shout out to Animal Kingdom, sponsor of the podcast. Disney, please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that and Super Nintendo World, they are neck and neck for the best, <laughs> yes. best amusement parks. 
Uh, yeah, dude, that credit scene was incredible. I couldn't. How many hours did it take them to make the yeah. CGI that was just playing over the credits? J- yeah, insane. people had already yeah. left. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, I I want them to. I want to just see that. Like James Cameron, just please make like a three hour special about Planet Earth. Like, please. <laughs> we need a Nat Geo <laughs> fictional yes, series yeah. on Pandora. Yeah, with, with Morgan <laughs> yeah. Freeman. Stop pretending to write a story. We don't care about the story. Just show us the vision. David See, and if that's what it was, I would have been all in. The yeah. Torcon are some of the most fascinating creatures <laughs> on Pandora. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be so Honestly, that's awesome. going to happen. <laughs> what about you, Chris? How do you, how do you feel about this movie? I really enjoyed it. As Andrew has said, experiential, I'm not sure if that's a word, we're going to have oh, to fact check that during it? our editing know. process, but uh, I, I love it. I, it should be a word. It, this was a movie experience. Take away the, all the, if, when we talk about you know, the plot, we talk about characters, we talk about graphics and visuals, those are all ingredients to bake the pie. But if you look at this in a Gestaltian view as, as the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, this is a movie experience. James Cameron is like a Chuck E. Cheese or a Dave and Buster's. You can go there for a couple of hours. There's not a lot of substance to it, <laughs> but you're there for the lights and sounds. You're there <laughs> to play games and eat pizza and drink beers and let your kids <laughs> run around in this world for a couple of hours. This is, this is just a, a fun experience. This is a movie that I do believe I will see again to answer that question. I am kind of a cynic when it comes to the 3D IMAX 720 ballista pump it into your face super duper Dolby digital surround. I feel like a movie should be able to stand on its own without having to be completely impacted by the senses while you're enjoying it. Yes. But based on your guys' recommendations and based on the fact that I would like to explore this world again, I do believe I will go see this one in the IMAX 3D setting. As far as my rating goes, I'm going to give it a 64 out of $80 million here. <laughs> I, I, I did incredible and, and very much enjoy the movie. There's no doubt about that. Jake is exactly right. A lot of plot points have to be ignored in order for you to really enjoy where the plot is going. There's more to be explored. I don't understand some of the things that they introduced and didn't explain, such as I mentioned as what I'm looking forward to with the Amrita, the, the, the human environmental world, all that jazz. But if you just turn your brain off for a couple of hours, sit down and watch. Turn your brain off like a Pandoran whale, you know? <laughs> I don't. Just getting drilled right through the oh, palate. no. Just turn oh. your brain off. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's the thing. You got to lobotomize yourself before you go see this movie if you want to enjoy it. <laughs> That's a direct quote from what Jake. What you need to do, buy your ticket, get hunted by a whale hunting community, and die. And then you can enjoy this film. Is that what you're saying, Jake? Yeah, that's exactly correct. That's how you ignore no, the plot line. Uh, turn, turn your brain off and just enjoy a movie. I, I saw Guillermo del Toro tweeted out when uh, it was a couple weeks back because obviously he got a pre-screen or something like that. He said this is a movie movie in all caps. And I could not agree more. This, this is a movie. In every sense of the word, it was a movie-going experience. You're not there for the plot. You're there for the lights and sounds. You're there for the spectacle. You're there for a beginning, middle, and end, regardless of the character's journey along that path. James Cameron gave us a movie. He gave us a sequel and tied in the universe from Avatar 1 
effectively enough for me to believe that this is the same world, and boy, what a world it is. 64 out of 80 for me. Future movies may have better plots. I don't I have much expectation for plot going <laughs> forward, but I will be seeing this again, and I will be seeing every Avatar that comes out because I can just shut my brain down and enjoy something. And please release a video Beautiful. game around Pandora. Thank you. Oh, my God. That would be dope. <laughs> yes. That'd be cool. That would actually that would be, be awesome. incredible. <laughs> Pandora ski ball, Chuck E. Cheese style. <laughs> um, I think that's a great description, Chris. Avatar ski is ball. the Chuck E. Cheese of movies. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's a direct quote from Chris. Um, I, I agree with you know, a lot of what you guys have, have said. Beautiful movie going experience. Yeah. The visuals, incredible. The world building, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Colonel Quaritch is just so bad of a character that <laughs> it really does take away from my overall enjoyment of the movie. So like 10 out of 10 on, on everything that isn't related to story in this yes. movie. Um, yeah. I'm very interested to see if they can improve their story writing ability in the future because I think... Everything going on with Kiri is very interesting. Uh, I think that the RDA has the potential to be a fantastic antagonist group. But from what we've seen in two movies, I have very low hopes that they'll be able to make a good story out of it. But the next three movies are going to be beautiful and incredible and very fun to watch. So if you're in for just a, a fun movie to watch, I highly recommend Avatar 2. I'm going to go ahead. I'll probably give this a $55 million out of $80 million Ooh, per wow. vial. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed every wow. moment of being in this movie. Yeah, sitting in the theater, watching this movie. Absolutely beautiful. And we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> we hope. We, <laughs> we hope. Uh, it was great to be back on Pandora, though. Uh, beautiful world. Beautiful peoples. Beautiful problems. And now, as we bring this episode of the Hoopla Podcast to a close, after our wonderful review of Avatar 2, The Way of Water, it is time for the moment of highest hoopla, the quote of the movie. What do you have for us this week, Andy? As Jake Sully said, the people say all energy is borrowed, and someday you have to give it back. Andrew has melded huh? with the spirit tree Ooh. and he's not. And he is now with Awa. He's with Awa now. And may we all pray he finds his avatar. I'm with Awa. D did you see Grace? <laughs> Beautiful. Did you see the father? Spoilers. <gasps> oh, God. There is no father. 